0: Welcome to SIN 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, Matthew, we got something special for folks, don't we? We do. We're yeah, back. We are back. And uh, Holy Spirit goosebumps. Woo! I don't know if he believes in Holy Spirit goosebumps. We could talk about <laughs> that. But Ryan Rebel is in the house.
1: Welcome. Thank you, thank you. So glad you're here. For those that have never... Had the opportunity to come and don the doors here because I listen to several podcasts. They have to understand that I'm looking face to face with Kevin. I mean, we're very close to one another. Right yeah. Here. I mean, there's there's separation.
0: Yeah, there's no touching or anything going on. Matt is behind me in the <laughs> booth. I can't
1: see him. Hmm. And it's, so every time I hear his voice, it's this <laughs> <or> this <laughs> presence behind me. So, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty powerful. I'm excited to be
0: here. Awesome. Yeah. So, I ran into you mm-hmm. because you were at a luncheon and we were talking to people that were fairly new to Foothills Christian Church, where I hang out, and uh, I, I recognized your last name. Yes. Because your father is a legend. Well, thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah. My father's Randy Rebold, Growing up here in San Diego, um, very blessed. He was on staff with Jeremiah back in the day when he just took over. From That's Doctor David.
0: Yes, yes. For those of you in Australia, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Doctor David. And then uh, with John Maxwell for ten years. When John left uh, Skyline, Randy left as well. And so it, there's not a lot of Rebolds. If you look yeah, us up yeah. on Google, I think there's a funeral home in Oklahoma, which. We don't get any proceeds from, so we don't. Dang. We don't really know. Them. No, yeah. not promote them. Yeah, they're all about death. We're all about new life, Amen. right? With Christ. So that's that. We're, yeah, we're the kind okay. of opposite, <laughs> opposite of the those people, if you will. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, then, in my follow up to that, because I don't know, we I, maybe we scheduled an appointment at that time. Hey, let's go have lunch. Let's get to know each other.
1: Actually, um yeah, we did. We want to connect because we were talking about evangelism.
0: Really? Yes. And then I t- told Neil. Yep. To give you copies. Neil Hoffman, who's yep. been on the show. Yes. And I picked up that book and I read it in two settings in one day. And I went, oh, man. And I already knew that I wanted to have you on the podcast, number one. Mm -hmm. But number two, I knew what lunch was going to be about. It's kind of like this. I get into some weird stuff. You've been into weird stuff, right? And so then when you meet somebody who gets your weird stuff, like they are just excited as you are (laughs) about your weird stuff, you should hear triathletes talk. And I want to talk to you a little bit about Spartan, but triathletes especially Ironman triathletes because that invests a lot of money and a lot of time and you are completely in if you're doing that. So when you're around another triathlete, you just ask stupid questions and (laughs) say stupid things. And so for the first year that I was into that, much to the dismay but support of my wife, I learned very quickly, they don't want to hear it. They don't, I mean, we're done. We gave you the first year to talk and talk and talk and talk. Now just talk to each other about it. Maybe the same way with evangelism. I hope not, especially for this episode, (laughs) because reading your book, we'll talk about that. You have the same ache that I do. Really, truly want to help people, to equip people, to encourage people to be in the adventure of sharing Jesus with others because there's nothing like it. It's incredible. And a second point for me, and you might agree, It's also to get rid of the guilt and shame that you're not doing it like Billy Graham does it or like, you know, like Drew Miles does it or that kind of thing. Be and do it like he invented you to do. Absolutely. And don't worry, because he sets up those secret appointments for you, knowing that you're going to absolutely love it, even if you're terrified, even if you don't want to. Right. So uh, what's evangelism? Tell me about it. Oh, well,
1: for me, ob- obedience, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, yeah. uh, evangelism, I think it gets a bad rap. Like it's for the elite, Christians. It's for the modern-day martyrs. It's for missionaries, pastors, and people who are uniquely gifted to share the gospel boldly and fearlessly, so you have to be an extrovert. I was just talking to an introvert earlier today, and I said, let's look in the scriptures where it talks about how you're an extrovert and introvert. And I said, I really don't find that. It says I need to be cautious in Thessalonians with the timid. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to to help those who are timid in their faith. But we kind of look into, like, Peter and John, right? Peter was the bold, John was probably a little bit more passive, definitely water and oil there. But you see them when they have the Spirit of God serving together. And what I've come to find out is, I knew very quickly, you were telling me this at lunch the other day that you could see yourself preaching like a Billy Graham. Like you like you When I was like six. Yeah. (laughs) Which is great, six. For me, I knew I would never be Billy Graham. But I don't know what God could do with who I talk to, who they might become the next mm, Billy Graham, Yeah. right? So, like, I rested in the fact that, like, that's not my platform. But perhaps the Lord will allow me to love somebody, share his gospel, his truth with a person, and they become the next Billy Graham. Yeah. God gets all the glory in that. Right? I Amen. love how Paul in Corinthians is very quick to say, well, I'm for Apollo. and you know, I'm for you. And he's like, one plants a seed, one waters. God does all the work.
0: Yeah, glory.
1: I think there's that element that people look at evangelism as it's something that you do. I look at it as it's who we are. Like, yeah. I am completely saturated and rooted in the gospel. And so, today... I don't get up and go, okay, I have to do this and this. Let me bring the gospel with me. Right. So I woke up, my life is saturated in the gospel. Now, what am I doing with that? Yeah, It's just a paradigm shift for people to have that. It's not for hmm. the elite. It's for, it's. there is a giftedness, and we talked about that, and, and how it really is for equipping others, yeah. as we talked about. But just like, I might not have the gifting of edifying the body. Am I exempt from doing that? No, it just means it doesn't come as naturally to me. I'm not as spiritually um, blessing others as much as someone who has that gift. I think if every person looked at evangelism is the purpose of how we can best exercise glorifying God this side of heaven. Yeah. The last church I was at in Ohio, one of the elders came to me and said, I want to know on a weekly basis how many people you're sharing the gospel with, because that's why we brought you on. I said, I'm going to disappoint you. <laughs> I said, I talk to people as I go, but I am here to help equip everybody yeah. to go share the gospel. And that just shocked him. He thought
0: I was the hired gun. Hmm. Yeah, go get him saved. Yeah, that was it. And that's when I was thinking about, because there's so many things that we can talk about. I thought our purpose, at least what I feel our purpose is here in this and other things that I've done, is to equip and encourage Christians to do the work, Mm -hmm. right? To go out there and partner with the Holy Spirit. And so this is really about equipping. This is going to be one of the shows where it's more than encouraging, and it should be encouraging, but you've got some wisdom that helps people do exactly what we want to push them off the couch and get them doing. So I I really want to talk about that. I do want to respond to one thing that you just said. It feels like to me that our witness, our testimony, our sharing Jesus with others needs to be an outflow of our relationship with him. Mm-hmm. It's like when I'm talking about you're a Spartan dude and right. um, did you really lift that giant stone thing? It was a
1: hundred pound Atlas ball. You had to take it 20 yards, drop it, do five burpees, pick it up again, bring it back 20 yards. Well, I had to squat so low to the ground to get that thing up and take it over. but. But yes. You're you're looking at me and the fact that you asked that question, am I not do I not look at no, is it just obvious to, how that you did it? that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: for me, five burpees hurts. Yeah. Okay. And the Atlas ball, I've seen this stuff go on and go. Whoa, there are people that make me look more normal, more like a regular dude. I look at that and I say, oh, he shouldn't do that. He shouldn't do that. (laughs) Come back. Come back, Ryan.
1: And fairness, because you guys can't see what we look like. I've been asked if I'm from the tribe of Zacchaeus. So, no, it's okay that you would look at
0: me and be like, could you really do that? It wasn't could, it was did. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't agree with that. So So far, all of our conversations that we've had, I've believed everything you've said. (laughs) I just want you to know. So, if there's anything you want to retract, let me know. No, I I speak the truth and nothing but the truth. Okay, I am good on that. Let's do this for a second. Let's talk about the book. Okay. Okay, so the book is called Nothing But Faith in My Pocket. Is that right? Yep. Okay, and so... I know what made you write it because it was a phenomenal experience. What made you do what you did?
1: Yeah. honestly, growing up in the church, um, it was a Sunday morning hearing the pastor once again talk about Abraham and how he had this tremendous amount of faith. I just felt so much conviction like, yeah, I don't have that. And I felt like I had what I would call saving faith. I knew that Christ and Christ alone is my savior. There's nothing I can do before the throne of grace and say, this is why I'm worthy of being here and in your presence. And then I talk about their serving faith. That's when you get involved in whether it's foothills or you get involved in the body of Christ and you're serving people. But I wanted surviving faith. I wanted that faith that David looked at Goliath and was just like, uh what are you all afraid of? Like, our God is bigger than this, right? And yes. like, or Daniel Linesden, all right, I guess I'm sleeping with some giant cats tonight, let's roll. Like, I just wanted that that element and very quickly, God just gave me this vision of, hey, I, I want you to go and go to different cities, don't set up accommodations, don't take any money with you, just go and as you have opportunity, share the gospel Connect people with churches in the area that you're going to, and and just see what I'll do. Just just trust me with that. Oh and um, let me
0: ask you this: Did yeah. anybody think that was
1: kind of <laughs> strange or different? Actually, the <laughs> church that I was attending, the senior pastor tried to talk me out of it more mm. than once because yeah. he struggled with you're you're testing God. Mm. Some pastors don't mind talking about testing God when it comes to tithing. Let's pull up some Malachi here, right? Test me see I won't pour out such a blessing. I'm like, uh, I think he was talking to crooked priests at that point. But anyways, my wife was actually very quickly on board. Wow. And she's like, will I be able to communicate with you? And I said, no, I'm going to tell you my bus passes. So, I went to seven different cities in seven days, all by Greyhound bus, which if you've not... We're in a Greyhound bus. That's a pleasure. That's faith right there. I just want you to know, it's a a remarkable experience. I went to just, I mapped out ahead of time just the closest Bible-believing church to the bus stop, so I wasn't wandering all day. And the idea was to just ask for food and shelter from that church and go out throughout the day and just have some gospel conversations with people. And every city was one of similar language and culture, but all by faith because I didn't know anybody there. So yeah, that's yeah, what it spurred me to it.
0: And I love the book. That's why well, it was easy to get through and get excited about. You had some different experiences in the churches that yes. you went to.
1: Yes, yeah. Out of the seven churches, only one housed me. No. But the one that did in Louisville, Kentucky, Walnut Street Baptist Church, they didn't just put me up in their church pew, which all I asked for. Yeah. They booked me in a hotel what and floor were you on? I was, I think it was, oh, it was high up there because I yeah. took a picture yeah, of it. I it's in the, the book. Yeah. And it's a suite. And they just, say and I didn't know that. I just went and, I mean, I spent the whole time trying to sleep in some comfort. But they said, what else you asked for? Some food here. Got some granola bars. Here's some money. And they just blessed me. Mm-hmm. They didn't know me from anybody. And I said the same thing to them as I did to all the other church churches and leadership in churches that I talked to. Yeah a lot of them just kind of pat me on my back or challenge like I'm neglecting my responsibilities as a husband and father by going and sharing the gospel as I felt like God led me to. Yeah. So, it was heartbreaking to see that I got more acceptance in some areas from the world preaching the gospel than I did from support from the body of Christ in their area Hmm. for the sake of the gospel.
0: Yeah, I get it. In in fact, there's so many parts of this where people that you were ministering to were ministering to you. Amen, yes. You know? and, and also, and I think this is really important because we're encouraging people to cross culture, to talk to people in their workplace and stuff like that. Your conversations were with people completely not in relationship with God, people that other people might be afraid to talk to, mm-hmm. uh, one or two maybe you are afraid to talk to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, when First Peter says, do it with gentleness and respect, uh-huh. that was the tone that I got oh, sure. from the book, that you could talk to somebody who thought very differently than you did, but do it in such a way that they came away better and they liked you better because of it. Can you describe one or two of those? Hmm.
1: Yeah, so for me, I, I, humility. Humility. Humility, I think, is something that we're supposed to demonstrate to the world because we know our standing before the Lord. Now, I don't grovel. It's not that type of humility. But it's one of, scriptures. don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. I think very highly of who I am in the Lord. Who I am apart from the Lord, I don't think very highly of that person. So, that type of humility. So, when, if it was uh, talking to a hot dog vendor, you know, and just, hey, I I had some money in my pocket, I wanted to bless him. I never have cash on me. I'm just, I just never do. So many people, as you saw in the book, would just give me money and I wouldn't even ask them for money. Yeah. The only time I had a panhandle was that time when that was one of my challenges. That was, you know, you got to make money to buy a meal for a homeless person and while they're eating, you gotta share the gospel with them. I had these, what I called seven letters of Paul in the book and these were godly people I asked to write me a a letter ahead of time with a word of encouragement, prayer and a challenge I had to submit unto because I can talk myself out of any challenge. (laughs) New Year's resolutions, I'm gonna eat better. I'm not all keto like Kevin is over here anymore. I I can talk myself out of it. So like you, Kevin, you give me a challenge because I know you love me. I know you're for me. I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna trust God in that. And so, some of those conversations that you were talking about—it was with a, with like a Muslim cab driver, and he was getting harassed by some of the other cab drivers. I didn't go into great detail with that because he was talking to me. Yeah. But he was so receptive, and like, well, look, explain to me why is it that you really believe this? Well, I was raised this. Can I share with you why I believe what I believe? Well, yeah, I was kind. And courteous to give them an opportunity to share whatever they believe. Yeah. And that's really one of my methodologies. Go around and ask people just two simple questions. What do you believe? Why do you believe it? If I let you go first, regardless of what you say, I am, I am being very respectful and open. And then I just ask for the courtesy to do the same thing back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I get very freely. I don't feel like I'm having to argue the existence of God against an atheist or the Baha'i faith that we've talked mm-hmm, about. So, yeah. I think if we go in a posture before the Lord of humility and genuine love for another person, be like, do you know Christ? I don't know if you do. I'm curious to find out if you do. Yeah. And let that be the driving force to engage with somebody that I don't
0: know. You know, and so many times when you do that, and I've had that experience, and many times you don't even have to ask, can I tell you? Because they ask you because you've asked them. Two things on it. So number one, that's great. I want everybody that's listening, remember this. Go do this. This is the challenge, okay? And see what happens and then tell us what happens, okay? But the other thing is, you do that to Christians on purpose because Christians need to know what do I believe Absolutely. and why do I believe it? It's one of the most important parts about being equipped to share your faith, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we see when Paul is talking about Mars Hill, there's basically four responses that you can get when you're out witnessing. You can get no, which he did, maybe, I want to hear about more about this later, and yes, I'll follow. All those are within about three verses there in Acts that we can see. The fourth one is, I'm already a Christian. Well, then my question to them is, well, what makes you a Christian? Explain that to Mm, me." And you get a whole lot of, I grew up in the church. Okay. Um, I'm like, well, I can live in my garage. It doesn't make me a car. You know, just (laughs) because you attend. As much as I love Awana programs and so forth, there's no attendance in heaven. Right? There's not like just because you went to church. <laughs> you made you know, it. Yeah, yeah, great job. Thanks for showing up. My dad's a pastor. You hear a lot of, well, I went to Catholic school. They point to something, an entity, and it's really never, well, have you placed your faith in Christ and Christ alone for the redemptive work of salvation? I don't necessarily have to use that wording with them. I, yeah. I, I feel like you know what I'm saying here. I'll look it up. <laughs> Those are big words. <laughs> um, there's a reason why Kevin read my book in two settings in one day. It's a very light read. <laughs> I was going to put that. I said if there's any words in there with more than five letters, I, I had to look it up myself. But no, with Christians, because we talked about this, Barna did the report before um, the pandemic. That was about 96, close to 97% of evangelicals in North America will go their whole life and never once share their faith. I like what David Platt says when he says, every Christian this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. Yeah. Woo! Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do. like you owe that. It's your, and a lot of Christians go, well, my salvation's private. It's personal. Come on. And it's like, yes, praise the Lord that he redeemed you with that, But if you actually read the entire text of the Bible, it's supposed to be public and it's supposed to be in community and with family. And so, you get with the body and bride of Christ to function the way it's supposed to, to engage this world of what it is. So, yeah, I love to ask Christians, like, so, tell me how you, you know, you're – conversion story, depending on the context. My Calvinist friend over here, I know how I kind of say one thing, my Armenian friend over here, ask completely different questions about yeah. the same thing. We said this the other day at lunch, if you really want to know the salvation people are placing their faith in, mm. ask them to share it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You'll find very quickly if it's works-based, if it's, I'm riding the coattails of my dad. Yeah, And that's kind of what stirred me to go on that walk was one of, I want to have that surviving faith. I go, Lord, you're going to have to show up and not only show up, you show off. (laughs) That's the beautiful thing. You read scripture, he doesn't show up. He doesn't just, I'm here I made an appearance, right? Like he shows off in the only way he can. I longed for that. And I see other Christians that are, I'm, I'm struggling with the same thing I've been struggling for 30 years. I'm like, I'm sorry that you're struggling in that. Can I try to provide you some hope, because I believe the reason why you still have breath here on earth is not to still be struggling over something
0: for 30 years. Yeah. It's for you to be mightily being used by God for the sake of the gospel. Absolutely. And it may look a lot of different ways. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody about you. In fact, it's talking about stirring each other up to good works. There's two things that happened after the lunch with you. One of them is I was talking to somebody and I was talking about the, the book and what you did and everything. And it reminded me, Um, there's a a legend, Mike Hagan, his power team, crusaders. And so they lay on a bed of nails and bench press 1700 pounds or something like that. Right. Right. And they were at our church a lot. And I come from the fitness industry, never lifted much heavy stuff as anybody could tell. But I said, Mike, you know, I just got to know, like, I'm not into what you're doing because I come from this bodybuilding, grunting and stuff, background 35 years of it. And he goes, Kev, why are you judging my bait? We're doing the same thing, bro. You do Mm -hmm. it your way. I do it my way. And I said, I repent. You're absolutely right. And so people who read your book could say, dude, you're testing God or you're such a crummy dad or whatever, right? right? I went, you know what? I really believe this man heard from God and was compelled to do something very different. Look at Old Testament prophets and stuff. They did some (laughs) wacky stuff, right? Right. But the other thing that it did, how you stimulated me from that conversation and just your heart, what you imparted. The next morning, I went on a two-hour trail run. I didn't take any headphones, and my buddy was ditching me anyway, so I got to just listen. And I was praying for everybody. I got a lot of everybody's, And then I just started having a conversation kind of based on first principles. i just had an imaginary conversation with somebody who didn't know the Lord mm. and just went through, this is the deal. Yeah. This is who God is. This is how it relates to you. This is why Jesus came. Here's the deal. And it was just, I don't know for me, it was just, this is a personal intimate moment for me. And, um, and I think we really need to dig into that. Mm. We need to dig in. What do I, why do people get baptized? What's that all about? And what about that mean God in the Old Testament and that really groovy God right. in the New Testament and all of right. that? We need to be equipping each other mm. and what is this really about so that we can share it? Right? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. That's, when we were talking about that, it's, it's amazing if when we get into like real deep discipleship, it's not so much of like, how we talked about reading the Bible through in a year. That's a good thing. You should read the entire Bible. But you might have to go more depth than distance, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like, I'm gonna get on this chapter. I'm wrestling with this with the Lord. This is piercing my soul. Like, I know it's convicting. I gotta do something along those lines. The two main things that we had talked about was forgiveness and contentment. Yeah, yeah, share that because that was good. Yeah, so... uh, I think the best evangelists are people with the gift of mercy because they just, it just, the love of people just flows from them. Yeah. And, and Kevin, I would venture to say that you are a very merciful individual.
0: hmm Okay. Yeah. When
1: you're spirit-filled. Hey, <laughs> there actually,
0: we go. Okay.
1: Now, flashing on that. Actually, I want to pause for a quick second with that. If I was to write a second book, I was thinking, I don't want to write one myself, I want to co-write it with someone else, I don't mm-hmm. have anyone in mind, so Kevin, you or Neil, whoever wants to, it's fantastic. Called the oxymorons of the Bible. If you look at consistently those that were in their flesh and how they behaved and how they thought and how they Mm. acted, and then when they were spirit-filled, it's almost like it's the complete opposite. And so, like, David was a man after God's own heart. Bingo. Right? And it's like, but even less, well, look what he did, of course, with Bathsheba. Yeah. (laughs) Saul, the smartest, wisest man who ever lived. His downfall was the same as his dad. How wise are you if you make the same mistake that your dad made? Yeah, You just keep going, Abraham, great man of faith. Uh, before Isaac was on the scene, uh, Sarah, uh, t- tell the king you're my sister. Uh, they're gonna kill me. Like like, like yeah. you can see a, a contrast because the face you made to me when I said, I see you being a merciful person. You're like, Ryan, you don't know my past. <laughs> like you don't know like, like me. I go, but when you're spirit filled. Yeah. I go, yeah, I see you being very merciful. The thing is, a lot of people are not tapping into what the Holy Spirit has gifted them with because they live in the shame. They live in the, well, if you really knew me, or I've already discredit myself because of how I interact with people in my workplace. If I went and tried tomorrow to tell them that I know about Jesus, yeah. they're going to be like, you're a Christian? I didn't know
0: that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. Forgiveness and contentment, if we truly forgive people as God forgives us. As he commands us to do. He even says in Matthew that before you come to the altar and give me my due, which we are, he is due all the glory and praise. He goes, first go be reconciled if you recall an offense with your brother. So, before we even supposed to go and praise God, oh man, I know I messed that up with Kevin. I got to go make that right. We don't say sorry in our household. Sorry is almost a swear word. (laughs) <laughs> There's a board game that you celebrate when you yeah. mess up another person. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're not. Right? We say, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? One, it takes ownership. I was wrong. And then I humble myself and ask if you will please forgive me, which demands a response. If you say yes, the whole, I'll forgive, but I won't forget, we're not called to forget. Mm-hmm. We're called to remember the grace that was given. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We don't recall the pain; we recall the healing. That's how we are called to forgive. Amen. If people would forgive, then there's no bitterness, there's no resentment, there's no shame, there's no guilt. We forgive. Then contentment. If I'm content in Christ, I'm not longing for the things of this world. If I'm content in my marriage, I'm not longing to look at pornography. If I'm content in what God has blessed me with, I'm not looking over the fences at the Joneses. I'm just. If contentment and forgiveness puts us align with where we should be in right standing with the Lord and with our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we feel more free to go, yeah, I can share the gospel with a person. I feel more confident with that. And so, those are two things that we try to, at least when I do discipleship with people, is we focus on forgiveness and contentment and then see what God draws up from
0: you there. We have just recorded our first ever uh, double session. Yeah, you now two it episodes. It was so good. We just well, we couldn't get Ryan to stop talking. That's part <laughs> also, of it. I'm yeah. sure of that there was no place to break it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want you all, to, when you hear this, um, wait with bated breath for the second episode because you're gonna love it because you are sent.